Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Judd, are you enjoying your hockey adventure so far? Uh, I am more than Bruce because Booge was not happy after the uh, after the Wild blew a two-goal third-period lead against the Blue Jackets on Saturday night. In fact, he said his team was embarrassing. Today's word, just like on Sesame Street, today's word is embarrassing. <laughs> it, was, it, it was an embarrassing loss. Now, we're going to end up getting into this debate here as the season goes on with the Wild, especially early, of how much is it embarrassing efforts and on and on and on, and how much is it that this team is just simply beat up, Judd? The injuries are just piling up. Yes. So, um, so they went into the season without Zach Parisi who we think is a back, although he denies it's a back, although he won't clarify what it is, so I assume it's a back. Uh, Mikel Granlund played one game and hurt his groin and is now out. And then in game three of the season, so and this is the incredible thing, they play a week ago Thursday in Detroit, right? And then they go to Carolina on Saturday, and then they don't play again until Thursday, last Thursday in Chicago. And in that game, they lose Charlie Coyle, who blocks a shot and broke his bleeping leg. Nita Ryder goes into the corner and gets tied up and suffers a high ankle sprain, which is bad. And Marcus Foligno gets in a fight. And unfortunately, in that fight, he gets punched in the face and suffers a facial fracture. So they went into Saturday's game without not one, not two, not three, not four, but by my count, five forwards. That's bad, Judd. My hockey mind says that's very bad. Um, five Five forwards, and I think that the Q would agree that four of those guys are top six forwards. It, yeah, not uh, yeah. No, I would definitely say that. And the guys that they're having to fill in with outside of Coonan, you're talking about Landon Ferraro, who's a career AHL guy who scored. Good for him, Zach. Mm-hmm. But Zach Mitchell, this is another a- uh, AHL type guy. Uh, Birchy, Christoph Birchy, gets a really bad penalty in that game, and these are not. NHL regular players and now you're asking some guys to play far more minutes than you would want them to play I mean Chris Stewart played 15 even strength minutes the other night which is just too much for Chris Stewart who at this point in his career I think is a fourth line type forward and Tyler Ennis is just struggling because I don't think that there's a whole lot there left in Tyler Ennis he got I Listen to this, Judd. When he was on the ice, they got outshot 14-3. to 
the other night against the Blue Jackets. He scored two goals, Collar. I don't know what more you want. <laughs> well, power play, though. I mean, he could still – that's the thing is that he's still got some skill and he could still score a little bit on the power play, but you're yeah. asking him to play 15 even-strength minutes. Daniel Winnick played over 14 even-strength minutes. Matt Cullen over 14. He is 94 years old. This is just too much for these guys. So it's not even the players that you're calling up, but now it's the guys that you're pushing into key positions and I think they're going to have a really tough time staying afloat when they have to have those guys who really can't do it. The guys that you thought were going to be great depth and third and fourth line players, you're asking them now to take on top competition. I think that's going to be too difficult. Yeah, and then post game after they blew the lead, the players were all saying, well, the good news is now we've got a week to practice because they don't play again until Friday night against the Jets. And we've got a week to practice, and now we can get the young guys who got called up in with the veterans and we can mix and match and we can have some time, uh, you know, for familiarity to build, right, Collar? And then on Sunday morning, they send all of those kids back down for salary cap purposes. So they, it's just, yeah, it, <laughs> right. it's a, com- it's a complete cluster of leap. It's a complete mess. Um, I was about to send you a note on Saturday because in the first couple periods or so, Chris Stort looked good again. And Chris Stort's off to a very nice start for Chris Stort. And I believe he scored uh, two goals against the Blackhawks and was up to something like four goals in three games. And then in the third period, it happened. If you look at the third period as the Wild uh, blows its two-goal lead, I believe your forwards, your first line, which was on for both goals against to tie the game, was Eric Stahl, Yul Eriksson-Eck, and Chris Stewart. And And I also saw Chris Stewart make the exact pass at the X on Saturday, that a game that you went to, I forget the opponent last year, he made the same exact pass, which is sort of a drop pass off the boards. Unfortunately, because it's a drop pass, it's picked up by the opposing team and turned around. So, yeah. yes, they are asking, and this is not a dump on Chris Stewart, but they are asking a lot of guys who should be on fourth lines or at the very at the very most third lines to play a way too much, which is why I found Boudreaux's reaction of calling the loss embarrassing interesting because yes he's right some veteran players let him down and if I'm not mistaken Suter was a minus four in that game which is very bad but all of that being said when you're without this many forwards and you're four games in it's really tough and you are when you have to go to Chris Stewart and say Chris you're on the top line guess what your team's in trouble. Yeah, and uh, I, I looked it up here, his matchups. He faced his top players that he faced for ice time the other night are Temi Panarin, Seth Jones, Alex Wenberg. Those are the best players on the Columbus Blue Jackets, <laughs> and they're facing yeah. off with a guy who on a really good team is a fourth-line winger. And he was last year. When the Wild were healthy, he was basically on the third or fourth line unless, mm-hmm. unless they were trying to mix things up. And he can add some scoring here or there, but your example of those bad passes is what we've been talking about, that at untimely spots in a game, he will make a mental mistake like that, or he'll be over-aggressive, or he'll take a penalty. There were times last year where they'd be winning in a game and he'd take a penalty, and you just smack your forehead. And, And this is the reason that... Stewart is just an NHL guy and not a star because his talent level is certainly star level. I mean, he could score 30 goals. He's got incredible speed for a guy that's that gigantic. Obviously, he's tough, but struggles in his own zone 
and make some plays that are just mind numbing, especially when it comes to being over aggressive and not really understanding the situation. So if you have to put him against Artemi Panarin, an elite playmaking winger, Alexander mm-hmm. Wenberg, a tremendous center who's just growing, a former first-round pick, and Seth Jones, who is becoming one of the better defensemen in the league, you are going to get beat. And blowing a lead, I agree that it, with Boudreaux that it is embarrassing in this league when you blow a lead because no one ever scores. So when you get into the third period, if you look up and down, teams with third period, what's their record when they're leading? It's usually like... 41 and all or something, right? I mean, yeah. they, they usually don't blow leads. So the fact that they did, uh, it really does make you look bad, but I don't know what they're supposed to do from here because these injuries are not just, well, you know, wait till the guy's wrist heals a little bit or wait till this or that the high ankle sprain for Niederreiter, who to me is their most valuable possession player mm-hmm. uh, th- that could last all season or hamper him for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're talking about the Parisi back, not a back issue, it's clearly his back. Um, the, having a setback today in practice is a huge deal because we talked about how valuable he can be on a third line and how that allows uh, you know you to have top six strength. And then you know Charlie Coyle, we've all had our frustrations with uh, Charlie Coyle from time to time, but you're talking about a guy who could score 25 goals, and if he gets hot, he can be unstoppable. And now he's going to be out for a very long time. I mean, the Wild basically have to survive this somehow and just stay around, just hang around somewhere in the race and not fall all the way to the bottom and, yep. and then get those guys back and hope that they can get back in gear. The problem in this conference and in, in their division, though, in particular, is this. Uh, you're not going to, to make the playoffs in the next couple months, but you could sure get ousted from them. Mm-hmm. And and so to your point, I guess my question is, uh, can can they can they keep themselves alive because they're still up against the cap? Um, I think Parisi's out for a long time. I mean, I'm I I would be if you ask me right now, do I think he's going to play or get put on long term IR? My guess is the second one, and I just think unfortunately for, for this team that it's going it's looks to me with five guys out now and and Selena will come back I think shortly but Granlin to groin again that's not good um that you are going to put yourself in a predicament where you say can you get enough points to stay alive or are you going to get to a place where you're so banged up and you're not you know, getting guys back and you can't really make trades um that you're going to fall far behind doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs I just think this is going to make, potentially, I think that this is going to make their lives very, very difficult. And it's key players, and it's key players who could be out for lengthy periods of time. As you said, Coyle's going to be out for a long time. I think Parisi is too. In fact, I'm not, I'm not going to be shocked if Zach doesn't play this year. And Nino, with a high ankle sprain, could very easily be out for a long period, or as you said, affected for a lengthy, lengthy stretch of the year. Um, that's not a good, good way to start. And unfortunately for Boudreaux, I don't know how well he's going to handle this because he's pretty passionate. He reacts pretty quickly. And I think he's going to get very frustrated very fast. Well, one of the issues with uh, Boudreaux is in the past when he uh, was the coach of Anaheim, he geniusly, in my mind, 
switched his systems up entirely or his uh, scheme, whatever you want to call it, tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year when they weren't scoring early and they got off to a really, really bad start. You remember this? And then they ended up winning the division in part because he switched things around. And the reason he was able to do that is because of the talent that the Anaheim Ducks had, especially on defense, where Hampus Lindholm is just a great defenseman. Fowler is very good. Uh, Votnin's very good. So they decided to just control the possession and take a lot of shots, but not necessarily play that counterpunch type of game. And I wonder if Boudreaux is going to have to change things up, but he doesn't really have the personnel to do that. I mean, Parisi nope. is, is your best two-way player. He's out. Erickson Eck is just a child, so he's just adapting. I mean, Koivu is a, is a good defensive player, uh, but he was kind of in a defensive role anyway. Even if you get Granlin back, you can't switch him into any sort of defensive role. You can't just kind of go into a shell and hope that Dubnik wins you some games and you stick around. Eric Stahl is not a defensive stalwart, huh? Oh, oh yeah. God, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, you're not wel- from you. You're welcome. Uh, oh, and, and, and Zucker isn't a defensive player at all either. So you, you kind of have a, a roster that matches up perfectly for playing that speedy game through the neutral zone and, and counterpunching against the other team, catching them off guard on their heels. But I think that's going to be very hard to do when you don't have a lot of your better offensive players. It, it just looks like a tough situation. And another thing, uh, Judd, is the pair of Brodeen and Dumba is just not working at the moment. I mean, I, maybe it will, but I thought the other night, yikes, this thing, one of the, one of the great things about having Marco Scandella was if something wasn't working, you could always change it around to try and get yep. it going. And, yep. now, and now you can't do that. And the way Brodeen and Dumba played the other night, I would want to break them up, but you can't break up Suter and Spurgeon. So what do you do? You just have to let those guys go. Well, and they tried in training camp. I think the plan, I think Boudreaux's plan going into camp was Dumba and Suter. And then they said no to that. And my personal opinion is this. Suter said, I ain't doing that. I'm good with Spurgeon. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we, we talk, talked about this, I think, on the last podcast, which is this. Scandella was certainly not a great player, but he gave you a flexibility, right? That flexibility is now gone. And there's, and there's nobody on this current roster or in the system to replace it. I mean, you can call Riley back up. That's fine, but he's not going to replace it. So you've gone from a position of, yes, you had an extra defenseman that was a luxury to a certain degree, but it was also important. That's gone now. And I can only hope, and I think you said that that it was a bad trade, and you've seen Buffalo enough to know, I can only hope this trade does pan out because you gave up a pretty valuable asset, I thought, in Scandella. And if you got nothing back, it's not going to, going to, to look good on uh, Chuck at all. Well, I, I think they got a role player in Felino who might be able to have a little more success than he had in Buffalo on a better team. But as far as Ennis goes, I don't think he got much there. And what else? I mean, you gave up. That's it. Pominville's yeah. been good for Buffalo so far. He's playing on their top line. Uh, yeah, what's, what's going on with Pominville? Explain this to, to me. I mean, this guy couldn't score. This guy, this guy couldn't put the puck in the ocean last October or November, and now he's got like four goals. Oh, it's a different situation. I mean, I mean, this is the thing that I try to tell people all the time with hockey stats and analytics, or, or even just goals and assists. Well, this guy's had a bad year. Or this guy's not had a good year, or whatever. They should trade this guy. Like, 
you know, a lot of it has to do with just what's going on around you. I mean, you mentioned Suter, the minus four. What, what was he last year? He was the, the best in the league at plus minus. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with your goaltender was great last year. Your top line with uh, Koivu and Granlund and Zucker was on fire last year, and you're going to play a lot with them. So all of a sudden, your numbers are going to be really good. And I mean, he's a great player, but he wasn't going to do that again. And, and with Pominville, he didn't score a lot because I think a part of his role was to take outside shots and look for rebounds. Right? How many times did he pull up, fire it right at the goalie's pads, and it bounced out in front, somebody slammed it home, and he got an assist? Yeah, I mean, he had great assist numbers last year, and he's still a very good passer. But I, I think in, in Buffalo, they've got him playing with Jack Eichel. And if you're playing with Jad, Jack Eichel, okay. you're going mean, okay, right? to... That explains it. Say no more then. Okay, I yeah, that's it. I he was playing with Jack Eichel. Yes, he's playing with Jack okay, Eichel, that and that's why I it's happening. with Jack Eichel. But, I mean, they're not overplaying him. That was my concern with him playing with Jack Eichel is that he would end up getting 19 minutes and then get worn out by midseason. But he's only playing 15, but most of it is with Eichel. And if you play with Eichel, you're going to get a lot of easy goals. So I think that's kind of been... Um, what it is. Uh, so Judd, we agree that it's going to be a real tough ride. And I, I think what you might see is, and what I'm fascinated to watch here is just how Boudreaux adjusts because barring someone like Kunin, uh, coming up and blowing everybody away, which I just don't think he's going to do. It's very, that's a, it's a lot to ask for a young player. Sure. Barring him just going nuts. Or is it Cunnin? I, I thought they were saying Cunnin the other night on the broadcast, but I'd always heard Coonan before. Hockey names, right? Hold just, on. You know what? Never I, decide. I, keep, keep talking because I think I've got the pronunciation sheet now because I always forget. I looked at it two nights ago. I said, oh, okay, I got it. And then, of course, being, being old, I immediately forgot. Yeah. I've covered some players where the coach literally had no clue how to say oh, their the name. Co- if you if you take a coach's word for pronunciation, it's a ninety five percent chance it's going to be wrong. Now, how about this one, Andre Sakara? When he was in Buffalo, we all called him Andre Sakara for years and years. He was there for a long time, and then he went to Carolina and told their broadcast that his name was Andre Sakara, and it was like, wait, yes, what, what? I heard this discussion. Yes, like what the hell? Like, no. you, wait, you were you were Sakara for years. And, and what I heard was he just didn't want to correct the broadcaster. The broadcaster had been there a long time and he just didn't want to correct him. So he just let him go. I buy that. I buy that. And I think I think that that's what what uh, happens. Lots of times guys will will come to the States and they're 18. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so they're very respectful. Right. And, they, and, and, and then they then they get to be like 23 and, and they're like, oh, no, my my name's this. The best was Doc a couple years ago in the playoffs when Granlin said, well, actually, my name is Gronlund. And <laughs> so so Doc, for the entire playoff series, calls him Gronlund. So we're all like, what the hell is this? And Doc says, well, Granlin told me his name is Gronlund. Finally, they all gave up and said, just go back to Granlin. <laughs> well, what's... it's really it's supposed to be Gronlund, but. But, you know, for a long time, he didn't correct people. What is uh, Eric Sinek going by now? Joel or Yol? Uh, the last I heard was like Yule or Yol. Okay. Oh, man. Luke. Luke. Cunning. Cunning. K- oh, okay. K-U- K-U-H capitalized. Okay. Small, small N-I-H-N. Okay. Well, I am, I am very sorry to Luke for that uh, because Luke I had Cunin. heard. Now, I had heard an interview with him when he signed. And they were calling him Coonan. So I was like, okay, that's it. 
and then but apparently it's cunning. So we've got that resolved. I just went and got the Thank line you, sheet, and it's John. got and it's got name pronunciation. All right, let me ask you. Let's just move on from this debacle. And uh, oh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, there, it's there, tough. there are many, many of these that that I've had where a coach has no clue. There was a guy named Paul Shahura, and that's how it was pronounced. And one, the broadcaster was calling him one thing, Chizura, and the coach was calling him Sahara, and we're like. <laughs> What the hell is this guy's actual freaking name? <laughs> they don't care. As long as the guy's alive, has a heartbeat, and can play hockey, you think they give up leave? Yeah, they started just calling him Chewy after a while. Because of course they did, because it. it's hockey and people are lazy. What's uh, your biggest surprise? We're only here you know, midway through October. But just the, the thing that stood out to you the most around the league that you kind of didn't expect for this uh, beginning? Uh, very early, okay? Very so, early. So this is not... Panic on my part. Stop I panicking. A, I am a little bit surprised the Edmonton Oilers, who had a great opening night performance against Calgary in which McDavid scored a fantastic goal, the last three games or so have looked awful. And and I'm also a little bit surprised that Boudreaux, McClellan, and um, Rick Tockett, who's coaching uh, Arizona now, have all basically dressed that dressed down their teams publicly this quickly. Boudreaux called the Wilds' performance on Saturday embarrassing. I believe Tockett used the same word, and uh-huh. I mean the the Coyotes are a dumpster fire. I get that, but Tockett just got there, and McClellan I think basically has come down hard on on his team. But my expectation and my hope and my want for the Oilers to be good. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in how they've played these last three games. Keeping in mind, it is just three games in an 82-game season. It really is amazing how hockey coaches, more than any other coaches, are willing to just savage players and their team and just all the time. It could be, like you're saying, it's five games into the season. Like, man, there's only like 77 left. And the guy's like, I wish I could light every one of these guys on fire and push them off a tall building. You're like, yes. wow, that's a mildly yes. excessive. And why? And, and and it's weird because I can't name you another sport where where it comes close, right? I mean, you've got to push a football coach to the brink, right? Right. I mean, for the most part, a football coach. Now, now a guy like Zim might come out and say, "I'm disappointed in a player," and he might say, "I'm disappointed," in, but we're talking about you. We're talking about four games in, saying embarrassing. It I is. Mean, think about our, our different reactions. Uh, where Mike Zimmer criticizes Anthony Barr's effort last year, we were like, "Whoa, sound the alarms!" This is a huge comment that he just made. And in hockey, if a coach comes out and says, "Oh yeah, that guy wasn't trying. He needs to try harder," we'd be like, "Okay, that's a throwaway quote." <laughs> You're right. Yeah, very good point. It doesn't that's, even mean anything because they just savage everyone. Uh, I would say exactly right. the biggest surprise for me right now is probably New Jersey, that New Jersey scoring goals, because I'm not mm-hmm. used to New Jersey scoring goals. Uh, there are a lot of other things where you could see the direction, although I, w- I would say that one thing I'm also not surprised by is the New York Rangers. I'm not surprised they're bad. I expect them to be pretty bad this year. I know they signed Shattenkirk, but I would be surprised if they were one of the best teams in the Metro because you can't just bleed players for a long time and never draft 
just because you're trading for rentals constantly over and over yes. and over and over again. And yes. also sign a goalie who's really old to a $10 million cap hit and not have the cap go up and just expect that you will continue to be really good. And Derek Stepan is a good player and they just traded him away to Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and they got Anthony D'Angelo, who I'm not even sure is really a good NHL player at all. So you he trade away Toronto your, a little bit, right? Yeah, he has because he's a. My understanding is because of his personality. He was drafted okay. later than he should have been because of his personality. He was traded to Arizona because of it, and now traded to New York because of it. So, yep. I, I mean, you got that for a number one center in Derek Stepan. Like, wow, that was not a great deal, and another bad deal caused by cap issues but uh, i'm not surprised by that certainly not surprised by a slow start for arizona like you said i mean i I thought that they would be much improved and i'm going to stick with that long term um but you know i mean they're still rebuilding now the vegas team being good right away i didn't have that on my list of things that i expected to happen but you know they drafted a bunch of guys who could play it wasn't like like they got bums that does not surprise me one bit because of, of this one one, I think they're, they're going to regress, certainly. Um, but when you pay $500 million to get into a league, guess what you get? A good expansion draft. And that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, they paid so much to get into this league that the league basically said, we'll give you a decent team. Now, do I expect them to make the playoffs? No, probably not. But I did look at that expansion draft and said, this is not going to be a complete – this is not going to be a team that wins eight games. Um, this will be, yeah. this, this yeah. be a team that can win games. It, right. It's it's not going to be the San Jose Sharks when they came into the league. Ottawa. Or, or, yeah. It, no. The Senators. And I think, those teams, I think those teams looked to be bad right away because they knew that their market was starved and that they would just support them. But I think Vegas understands that everything else there is competition that Vegas shows or whatever else is competition. So if you don't really put on for it, kind of like Nashville, I think Nashville's taking this approach too. Nashville was pretty good, pretty fast early in their, uh, you know, just being a franchise. And I think they understood too. There's a lot to do in Nashville. So if you're going to get anybody in the door, you better do pretty well. And it did take them a while. That being said, Collar, I will say this. I am a firm believer in a, in a big one in being awful for about three years. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. That, because that goes back to, to the conversation that we've had about every single sport, which is when are you going to get your, your possible franchise generational players? And you're going to get them by being as bad as possible. And if you're going to do that, be bad quickly because you've got a, you're going to have a grace period there where people are going to say, oh, cool, a new sport in town. I'll go see it. And if the team stinks, you'll still go see it. Well, you'll do that for about four or five years. And then after that, so Vegas is the problem that they're going to have, I think, in my opinion now, is this. They're going to be halfway decent. They're not going to be great. But they're going to be halfway decent enough to potentially not get good draft picks. And it's going to come back to bite them right in the ass in about five years when people are like, I'm tired of hockey. I'll go watch the team if they're really good, and unfortunately, they're not going to. Yeah, I, I think what they want to do this year, and, and I'm with you because I have the word tank tattooed across my calf, so I am all, yeah, you and me both. all about tanking. But I'm with I, you. I think what they want to do this year is flash just enough decent hockey to get people interested and then get to the trade deadline and sell like crazy 
and then go to the very bottom, try to get that top pick, and, and kind of have a little bit of the best of both worlds because James Neal's off to a hot start. Perfect. Like, he's off to yeah, a hot no, start. We trade him. Great. Sure. We could trade him as soon as possible. So I, I don't think that that will keep up for very long, especially since Marc-Andre Fleury got hurt. So we, uh, we'll keep an eye on Vegas. But uh, I guess we, we've got our own problems to worry about with uh, the Wild and if hey, they'll be able to hey, hang around. What's your take on the Blackhawks? The Blackhawks are off. I think they're off to a 4-1 and one start. I've watched them a couple times. They don't look great. They have lost a ton of players. The cap problems for, for them are huge. Do you like the Blackhawks, or is this a – and, you know, granted they've got a good goaltender and they've got Taze and Kane, so they're not going to be bad. But do you like the Blackhawks, or is this sort of a uh, – eh, I'm not sure. No, I do like the Blackhawks. I, I think that they'll make the playoffs. I, I don't like them as a Stanley Cup winner, um, but I think they've got a few things that will just not seem to fade away. One of them is goaltending. Corey Crawford continues to be great. Um, mm-hmm. The trade for Brandon Saad, now they gave away Panarin. Well, what they gained in Brandon Saad was basically like a mini Marion Hossa. The, okay, Saad is not quite as dominant, but mm-hmm. he's a two-way player. He's very, very good. And if you put him with Jonathan Taves together on the same line, and you have these two two-way forwards who are very tough to play against, very skilled, but also very responsible in the defensive end, that I mean, that's a top line that could take on pretty much anybody. And Patrick Kane could get me 30 goals, I swear. I can barely skate. I've got okay hands. And if I just clomped my way up near the net, Patrick Kane would put it right on my tape and I would put it in. He, yeah, he's, just, he's, just, right. he's just that good. And, like, Patrick Sharp all of a sudden looks like he can kind of play a little bit again. And Duncan Keith is a, is a monster. He's just a monster, number one defenseman, future Hall of Famer, I think. And I, I think that's good enough to have these other guys just kind of fill in spots. And you hope that this guy gets hot or that guy gets hot. They've got the, the rookie, uh, Debrinkat, who's, you know, got a lot of skills. So maybe he gets hot at some point. And, yeah, I mean, I, they are definitely just, like, plugging holes around these top guys. But and the top guys are still good enough to get it done. I mean, we talk about this with the NFL that there is so much mediocrity that you could be a bad team. The Packers are not a good overall team, but Aaron Rodgers was good enough to make them a Super Bowl contender. And Taysen Kane, yeah, you're right. That's the way I look at it, that there's just so you much mediocrity. Right, yep. yep, that they're going to be good enough. So that's how I'm looking at it. Right. Well, yeah, no, because they, well, they're, they're a team that the incredible thing to me, and, and this will probably emerge in the next few months, though, is they do always seem to find guys, right? I mean, they, they always seem to find a guy or two who you haven't heard of before or who comes up, and then they're just good. And granted, it, it helps to play around good players, but I can't – you know, there, there's been a couple of people who have told me that this might be the year the Blackhawks fall off the map a little bit. And I was just curious because for them to, to fall off the map with this core group would, would be very interesting, and I didn't know if that had a potential to happen. But I do think when you have Taze and Kane and, like you said, Keith and Crawford, you're going to be in decent shape. Yeah, and elite players, just they last longer. Their primes last longer. They're tough to play against for longer than other guys. We talk about the um, age curve all the time, but you know, even if it's 60% of Jonathan Taves from what he was in his prime, he's still one of the best players in the NHL. Maybe he's not the best player anymore because other guys have come along, 
but he's still a true number one center who's going to be able to dominate for stretches. And we, we saw that last year. He came to Minnesota one night and just romped the wild single-handedly. Yeah, like, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not going to count out Jonathan Taves yet. And yeah, and I, you're still I, really good. Yeah, I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be enough. And some of these guys that they find to fill in, they just have this knack for finding guys. And Brandon Saad was one of them, a second round pick. They have a knack for finding guys who can step in and, and do something. And you know, maybe that's just scouting, or maybe it's a good situation if you can put them with good players. But um, either way, they seem to find players who have enough left to make them competitive. I, I still wouldn't put them way up there, but I, I would have said before the season still it was premature to count them out unless one of their key players gets hurt and then they're done. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, last question, the Winnipeg Jets. Why what don't do you make of them? they fire their coach? They're okay. I, I mean, they're okay. They're not I'm scoring a, a lot. I'm a fan of their talent, though. I'm a fan of their talent, and I keep I keep looking at that team, and I, I'm with you. How does Paul Maurice have a job? I don't get it. What, I mean, they've got talent. Yeah, what truly baffles me about Maurice and about the Jets is that they have unbelievable talent to be a great power play team, and it doesn't yep. ever seem like they are. And yep. that With the, the guys that they can run out there, Line A, Ehlers, Blake Wheeler, Shifley, these are like elite, talented players. The guys that they run out there, the fact that they can't produce on the power play, I, I look at that and say that's gotta be coaching right and the goaltending after a while you just have to wonder uh all right is it the coach is it the system is it how you're playing because goaltending couldn't be this bad for this long maybe this year is they'll finally get it turned around but this is a roster that could legitimately in my mind compete for a stanley cup and yes i don't think with that coach that they can ever get there no and he's and he's had chances before too that's the incredible thing. He sort of bounces around, and he keeps jobs. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he just get a contract extension? He did, but those don't mean anything. I mean, last year, I did an article on this. Last year, there yep. was like five guys who got contract extensions and then got fired within a year. So that it doesn't mean much. But, yeah, the, even this, even what it says to give that guy who has had so little success, he, just one playoff series and they got swept since he's right. been in Winnipeg. I, I, I really don't get it, considering the number of coaches that end up bouncing around on a yearly basis. Like, you could have mm-hmm. had, had Lindy Ruff or something. I mean, you could there, There's always guys who are getting fired that you could just scoop up that have had success, and you decide to stick with him. First coach to be fired this year, who do you think it is? Hmm. Well, I guess I would have said Paul Maurice. Because it'll be question. fairly quick, because it's always quick. You There's know, always a team that gets ticked off and fires the coach on about November the 4th. I I think if it's not Maurice, if they hang around in the middle, he'll keep his job. You know who I think it could be is Elaine Vigneault in New York. I think New York I, is a very tough, be my guess. Yeah, very Rangers, tough place to yeah. lose. And maybe if Carolina doesn't start to turn it around, then they will say, you know, Bill Peters, that's uh, enough. That's enough for you. I think, they like him. I think they like him a lot, though. Yeah, I, I, I get Vigne- that impression. I think Vigneault could definitely be in trouble because the expectations there are so high. They pay a lot, but you're right. Mismanaged consistently because they're always trying. They're always trying to find the next best thing, and as a result, they're not building. So I like that one. I think that's good. 
And keep your eye on this one. And this won't be quick because he, he was just brought back last year. Claude Julien in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Montreal opened the season by not scoring goals. In fact, uh, when, when we had Louis on last week at that time, I want to say that James Neal, James Neal of Vegas and the Montreal Canadiens as a team both had five goals. <laughs> and Ovechkin, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, at that time had seven goals. So Ovechkin had outscored the Montreal Canadiens by two goals by himself. Yeah. And and the patience in that town is nil. Right. So that that would be a dark horse for me around March if they're not going well because nothing they do surprises me. Yep. Uh, I'll agree with that. There there are some teams that you would just put on the list because they are who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think Montreal Absolutely. is always that team. Philadelphia could be that team too. They underperformed last year under Dave Haxtell. If uh, they do that again, then he could be out. I mean, there is just no patience whatsoever. None. Zero. It's like, if you struggle for a year, you're just gone and mm-hmm. we're not even going to let you come back. And you know, that, that, that could, that could definitely be the case in, um, in Montreal, but I would put New York at the very top of my list because they have underachieved in the great era of Henrik Lundqvist. And now they're sort of fading from that era. And Mm -hmm. if they aren't able to um, continue to, to at least make the playoffs, then he's probably out. So. All right. right. I think we're good. Okay. Well, what we need before. Yes. Wait, just, just once again, a reminder. Cunning. Cunning. Today's today's name is Cunning, as in Luke Cunning. As in Sahara, or Shahura, or Sekera, or Sekera. No one By knows. the way, now, now that I'm 25, my name's pronounced this way. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. Classic, classic hockey. There's a, It's one of the many nuances to hockey that I love. Okay, Jim. I'm with you. I'm exactly right. All right. <laughs> we'll, thanks, Colin. Yep, we'll catch you all later on Man Judd's Hockey Adventure.